it's kind of a false sense of security, but we know that external presenting perfectionism doesn't mean internally we feel that way. And we're often more riddled by anxiety and depression and low self-worth and poor self-esteem when we're kind of masking all of the human stuff with perfectionism. This is the Wilder Wellness Podcast, where we discuss all things body image, intuitive eating, and the wilder sides of wellness. Here we reject the diet culture messages that have kept us tame and preoccupied so we can finally build trust with our bodies, embrace true well-being, and have the confidence to take on any adventure. I'm your host, Chris Nails, a licensed therapist with a specialty in wilderness therapy. I've spent the last decade dedicating my studies and practice to helping women feel more connected to their bodies, build resiliency, and take up more space on and off of the trail. Tune in each week for new episodes as we chat with wellness professionals, outdoor adventure enthusiasts, and thought leaders that will leave you feeling inspired, connected, and motivated to live a life free from restriction and body shame. You'll receive tangible tools, support, and connection as you take your next steps towards creating a wilder life. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to the show. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Wilder Wellness Podcast. Today, I have a really special guest. Joining me is Joanna Townsend, and she is a therapist based out of Bozeman, Montana. Um, and we were just talking about how we're connected. And I think it was just the, like the magic of the internet. And we had started following each other. And, you know, if you know her account, you know, that like, she's so creative in the way that she expresses and talks about like therapy and makes it visually appealing and also talks like about all of these like really important topics in this way that's approachable and fun and creative. And so that's one of the things that drew me to you, Joanna. And so, hello, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. And why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Hi, I'm so excited as well. This is a long time coming. I know we've both been connected with each other, but also are passionate about similar areas. So yeah, I'm a therapist and I do a lot of work on helping others understand like what their emotions are, talking about mental wellness, healing, all of our feelings, and helping folks step out of perfectionism and feelings of imposter and burnout. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about living in Bozeman. It is wonderful. (laughs) I am not, or I'm a former, let's say, city girl. And so it's been a huge life adjustment for me. I moved three years ago from the East Coast And yeah, I don't think I'll ever leave the Rockies. Bozeman is probably pretty similar to Bend being a small mountain town, not so small anymore, but yeah, skiing, climbing, hiking, lake, river stuff, everything you would want in outdoor childlike play. (laughs) Totally. I've been looking on your Instagram and been like noticing that you do ice climbing. Mm -hmm. Yes. How did you even get into that? Yeah, it's a wild thing, something I didn't even know existed, but essentially it is the winter version of rock climbing. So there's a lot of uh, waterfalls in Montana and it's 
I think the number maybe two ice climbing location in the country. So there's this area in Bozeman called Highlight Canyon where there's yeah all these like incredibly lush waterfalls, but in the winter they freeze. And so you're doing the same thing that you would with rock climbing. So either setting up a top rope or leading, which I don't lead right now. Um, and you're, yeah, pretty much using two ice axes. You have crampons on your feet and you're making your way up the climb, up the route, just like you would with rock. But it's less, you're kind of more in an A-line the whole time. So you're not reaching over and doing any big pulls because you definitely don't want to fall with knives on your hands and feet <laughs> yeah because like you have tools like picks in your hand mm-hmm. and you're just like basically climbing up like one step at a time mm-hmm. yep so it's kind of like hand hand feet feet hand hand feet feet so you're just warming your way up um and yeah it, it's really fun and it looks scarier than it is of course everything there, there's risks too but just like rock climbing, you know, there's controlled risk if you know your systems and communicate well with your glare. Um, and I'm just a noob right now, so I'm still learning. So I'm not doing anything too crazy. Well, I know, but like how fun it is to like be new at something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and give yourself that permission. I know that, you know, one of the things uh, for anyone that's been on a trip with me, especially my rock climbing trips, like, you know, like everyone knows that I'm not actually that good at rock climbing. And it is this thing that brings me, like, makes me feel so humble and also helps me feel really present. (laughs) And I wonder, like, does ice climbing do something similar for you? 100%. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think it, while the sport is different than rock, the mindfulness and the intention to what you're doing, like right then, like where your feet are, you're just so present and it's really helpful. And it's even helpful, I think, from the emotional perspective. Like I will own that I can be up there and be like, okay, I'm scared, let me down or take, like I'm done. So it's a good way to practice just managing like anxiety and communicating. I climb a lot with my partner who's a much better rock and ice climbing person than me but he yeah our communication it's kind of this like relationship building but also just working on myself and confidence and also being a woman in that sport um which there definitely isn't enough of so it's a really cool way to be a part of a community but also yeah just like work on my own personal self on bikes yeah and there is this like cool thing it's funny we definitely did not talk about talking about ice climbing before we (laughs) 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 and here we are you know but when I'm working with someone therapeutically when we're in the rock climbing area you're so right it's all about like how can we learn how to be better communicators but oftentimes it's like we can communicate that we're scared and then we work with our partner to even sort of like push to show ourselves that we can push past some of these fears. So it's like you're building resiliency and you're also building communication and like trust all at one time. Mm-hmm. It's like this yeah. really, really beautiful um, combination of therapeutic interventions that are like really intense, but also really powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I've loved about hearing about your retreats and um you know, working with a guide to help some of these experiences. And even like the breath work, I'll know if I'm really nervous 
just got to slow down. And it's a good skill for mental wellness in general and to like slow down so that I can think clearly about what I'm going to do next or take a moment or take a beat. So yeah, there's a lot that we can learn from the mountains in our own life. Yeah. So Joanna, now you find yourself in the mountains, <laughs> climbing up frozen waterfalls. Uh, will you tell us like a little bit about your own journey and how you, you know, got here from the city um, on your website, which is beautiful. Everyone should check it out. You talk about having your own struggles with anxiety and depression and um, disordered eating. And, you know, I know these are all things that you work on in your practice. Can you tell us a little bit about, yeah, your own journey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the classic, what came first. And when I think back, my interest in psychology, I do think came first, because I remember that being something I was just drawn to studying. And but that doesn't mean I didn't have my own struggles that probably helped me want to work on some of that. And I remember being a vi- at the time, I didn't. But now looking back, I was probably a very anxious <laughs> little little person. I remember like crying when my parents would leave to go out to dinner or to a party or something, feeling like they would never come back. Um, I would, yeah, and I, and then kind of in high school that manifested with a lot of like academic stress. I went to a super competitive high school, which was not good for my mental health. So I think all of that combined while also having um, a mom that was an educator and then my dad was a trained social psychologist, but worked in public health. So I also had them in these helper roles. So I definitely felt drawn to helping others in a way that can also highlight my empathy and sensitivity. And so therapy kind of became the perfect fit as a four wing five and INFP for those that know what those mean. Um, but yeah, in terms of, you know, my own journey, it's interesting how just so interconnected, right? Our emotions and anxiety can be with things like body image and disordered eating. And so that was something that, yeah, I'm still working on understanding, but I'm in such a different place than I was and disordered eating sort of became this way for me to have a sense of control over life and stress. It was also a way that I was looking to change my body and feel good or feel good enough. And so, yeah, I would say it kind of combined in all those ways to help me help others now, but also clearly wanting to be someone that I didn't have when I was younger, which is someone guiding me through that. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about like how you've, worked through some of those things and if it, you know, lines up with even your career as a therapist or even your move to Montana. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that you asked that because I think I get, I get that question a lot about why, why Montana. And even though in life I moved here to a place where I was already in definitely like a recovery space for myself, but I do there's interesting similarities with having a lot more anxiety and mental health issues in the city life that felt for me a lot more like masculine in its energy, very competitive, very achievement oriented, very fast paced, very inauthentic sometimes. And looking back on who I was, not that 
being in the mountains cures everything, <laughs> but you know, I definitely feel a lot more just comfortable with myself. There's a slower pace that works with me and being outside really helps me work on, um, yeah, my own mental health even now. And so things that are maybe more like feminine in nature, which is not gendered, right? Just kind of the energy that we have. I think the mountains can really, really help with that. And frankly, being able to have outdoor pursuits, right? To ice climb yeah. or to rock climb or to hike or to backpack or whatever. Um, you need a lot of food and you know you want your body to be able to do these things. And so it's really refreshing to not feel focused on it in the way I used to be. I probably wouldn't be able to do these things with as much fun and joy and playfulness being stuck in that body image hole or a disordered eating trap. Yeah. So you own Root and Rise. Tell me a little bit more about the work that you do with your clients there. Yeah, that, it's my private practice, Root and Rise. And I do one-on-one -on -one work with clients based in Bozeman. And we do a lot of work on Kind of understanding what our emotions are, helping folks, you know, really relate to their body in a way that we can look at what we're feeling and recognize what we might be doing to avoid some of those feelings. And what comes up a lot is perfectionism. So that's something that as someone who used to have a lot of perfectionistic tendencies, I'll say, because I don't believe it's a personality. <laughs> and you know, being able to understand perfectionism as a coping mechanism, even though mechanism sounds so sciencey, and that's kind of what we have, right? And when we strip that away, we understand that there's probably a lot more imperfection and messiness and vulnerability, but that's beautiful. Like we need to feel those and feel connected to all of those. And so I think my <clears throat> own, I think my own journey in therapy, whether my own, but also now as a therapist has helped just humanize all of this for us, right? Letting go of perfectionism as something that we want to praise, but also letting go of it as something we want to shame and looking at it as, hey, this is something we learned how to deal with stress or anxiety or fears of not being good enough and what might be under there that we can practice accepting a little bit more of. And so, yeah, holding space for clients in my office has also helped me continue to do that work, even though I would say I'm, you know, in a lot healthier of a place, but it doesn't mean I can't have past thoughts come up or my inner critic come up and say things. So it's such a beautiful relationship we have with clients to it kind of prompts us to keep doing our own work so that we can have these conversations with clients and not feel triggered or affected and really help them yeah, work on it in whatever way they need to and in whatever uh, pace works for them too. How, you know, for, for those of us who may be used to like using perfectionism or thinking about it as like a positive thing or thinking about it as a personality trait, like how would you describe what perfectionism is really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The best way I can describe it is the pursuit or need to present as perfect. Mm -hmm. And it can look like a fear of failure, wanting to avoid mistakes, but also not really ever feeling perfect or good enough. So it has that interesting underlayer where those that may feel 
more inclined towards perfectionism traits or perfectionism coping skills or whatnot. We don't actually ever feel that way. So it's this way to mask that, right? It's a way to feel safe because if we present outwardly, like we are achieving and accomplishing and doing all these things, then we it's kind of a false sense of security, but we know that external presenting perfectionism doesn't mean internally we feel that way. And we're often more riddled by anxiety and depression and low self-worth and poor self-esteem when we're kind of masking all of the human stuff with perfectionism. Wow. I love the way you said that. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Cause I feel like, you know, when we are constantly like grasping, I create like creating such perfection, it almost causes us to feel additional anxiety, depression, and low Mm self-worth. Right. Yeah. So we, we get scared of that because we don't know what's on the other side. And I think that's also part of this work with helping others is I know that life gets a lot better when we strip that away. I know from my own personal experiences, from other therapy friends, from just what research supports, right? But we don't always trust that. And we get scared of if I let go of this, if I let go of my body looking a certain way, or if I let go of eating in a rigid way or pursuing clean eating or whatever rule-based eating, if I let go of that, like what's going to happen? Or if I let go of not working 12 hour days, like what's going to happen with my career? So all these fears that we have, we use perfectionism as a way to feel safer, even though it's not actually helping us sustainably or long-term. Yeah. I love all the, the um, examples that you use there. Tell me a little bit more about like how you see perfectionism show up in some of the clients that you work with, or even from personal experiences, like what are maybe subtle ways that perfectionism shows up that yeah, you wouldn't think is perfectionism or how it, how it can be impactful in these like small and big ways. Mm -hmm. So we tend to think about perfectionism as like I mentioned, someone's personality, right? We'll say like, well, I'm a perfectionist or in interviews, right? If they ask (laughs) what's something you're working on or a weakness, folks will sometimes say like perfectionism. So we see it as this like identifying thing. And when we ask more questions or get a little more curious, yeah, we do learn the ways that perfectionism becomes this cloak of safety and safety, whether from not feeling rejection or feeling approved or being good enough. And so perfection, perfectionism isn't just like working really hard on everything and wanting things to be perfect. It's also wanting things to be perfect so that you feel good or you feel liked or you feel loved. And it can often look like, yeah, not trying on things that you don't think you'll be good at, not pursuing or talking about a business or some objective you have until you can perfect it and it looks a certain way or you have everything figured out. It can look like masking a lot of yourself and not really being like showing others the true you, all of the parts of you, right? Maybe the vulnerable parts of you, the confident parts of you, the like silly, goofy parts of you. It's a very like restraining place to be because if we're not operating from a place of fullness and we use that 
perfectionism to help with fears, we're kind of limited in our lives and how we're showing up. Hmm. Yeah. And so when you're sitting across from a client and you see something like this, like, are there any characteristics, any like sort of like emotions that are often tied to someone who, yeah, is like has a lot of perfectionism or is struggling with like perfectionistic ideals? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that anxiety shows up a lot in terms of what someone is experiencing. Mm -hmm. That can also look like depression and burnout because perfectionism has so much like energy and fuel to it, like that grasping that you mentioned. And so at some point our nervous system will kind of shut down from that. So that can look like depression. It can also look like um, procrastinating a lot. Like we said, right, if we're trying to make things out to be so perfect, well, first that's not gonna happen because that doesn't really exist. But then we'll delay doing things because we need it to look a certain way. But yeah, I would say like shame and fear are kind of the big undertones that we use perfectionism for. So then whether if it comes up in work or if it comes up in exercise, Bozeman's a pretty um, outdoor centric place. And so there's a lot of folks that love being outside but the relationship with movement and athleticism is struggling because of how they see themselves or how they feel they need to be or look or achieve. Yeah. And that like sort of like leads me, you've, you've danced around, you know, talking about clean eating or like having your diet look a certain way and how much that you have to exercise. But can you tell me like about the connections between perfectionism and you know body image and our relationship with food in our bodies totally yeah so because perfectionism we're talking about it in a way that is it's a way to cope so if it's a way to cope then what do we do what are we coping with right so we're kind of talking about okay fears or anxiety or shame And it translates a lot of times or has a connection to body image and our relationship with food because that's something that we think we can control. So we're trying to control the way we look. We're trying to improve our body image by presenting a certain way, even though that's not how it works because body image is 100% mental and internal. Um, And then our relationship with food can look like trying to perfect it, right? So it can be very rigid, it can be inflexible, it can be very diet or rule-based because it's a way to, that perfectionism manifests. So if perfection is the coping mechanism, we're coping with all these things that also looks like the way we do everything, the way we eat, the way we move, the way we show up and work. So those are the different kind of, facets of how perfectionism is interconnected with body image work and disordered eating. So yeah, like living in a place like Bozeman or Bend, like I'm curious, you know, what I see show up a lot in my town is that I see people feeling the need to summit mountains every day or like be getting at, getting after it or like getting rad and then like also coming back and like only clean eating or like having smoothie bowls or, you know, like only organic food. And for me, I question sometimes, like, is this based out of a place of wellness and mental health or 
feeling like they need to have belonging in a place like Bend or Bozeman, where like so much of the culture and the community is based around these things. Like, I wonder if there's a connection between, yeah, is it a fear response? Is it is it driven by perfection or is it driven by mental health or, and can it be both? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kristen, I think that's a really good way to look at it and a good question to ask because this pursuit, accomplishment, achievement, sendy culture also makes it really easy to get sucked into yeah, perfectionism or eating in a perfect way or having to, yeah, do all of this activity or recreation, but yeah, is it coming from like, I want this and this feels good or is it coming from I need to, I should. And so that can be a way for us to check ourselves, right? What is the energy behind this intention or objective I have? And if it's fueled by a lot of fear, then we can ask more questions and maybe see whether that is, yeah, like you said, coming from wellness or healthy mental health or the desire for, you know, pushing it and challenging ourselves, or is it trying to be present in a certain way, right? Be good enough, um, get those accolades, feel cool, whatever it is. Totally. And I want to name, like I've been in both places, 100%. Like I have been the person that has gone outside purely to, to feel like I have belonging or like to like go out there and be like, okay, like everyone I follow on Instagram is hiking these mountains. So like I should be hiking these mountains or like everyone that I follow on Instagram is out here every single day. So like maybe how can I push myself or wake up at 4.30 in the morning to make sure I can go get on a mountain before I do the rest of my day when really like pushing myself that hard isn't actually that great for my mental health (laughs) and is really fueled by this like fear of like needing to feel like I belong in a town or like online in some sort of way. And so I have had, I've been on that side and I've also been in a place where I've like felt more, mm, I've been more flexible with my time outside where I go outside when it makes sense. And when I go outside and I feel almost like more relaxed and there is no expectation. I don't need to like take the perfect picture or like get Sandy or say I did this run. Like it feels so different. And I think it's really important for us to, yeah, like you said, like check that and like start to question like where is like, what is the inspiration behind us going outside or what's driving it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Right. And I like that you use the word belonging because I think that speaks to us being social beings, right? And wanting to feel included. And especially in towns that we both live in, inclusion sometimes looks like looking a certain way or, yeah, pursuing things in a certain way. And obviously, those connections with lack of like body diversity and even racial and ethnic diversity, too, in these types of cultures that tend to be very um, white and thin and fit so there's a lot of issues there that we could have a whole other (laughs) conversation about but yeah I think when you know you know right when you know you're doing it in a way that feels good and it feels like you're at home in your body versus like punishing your body or pushing it beyond 
what it wants to do or could do in that moment and also seeing food in a different way right that sure there's like a fuel component to it but there's also like so much joy and pleasure when we can yeah use our bodies to help us do things that we want to and strengthen them and do whatever we want outside and be playful without like you said expectations but also our relationship with food changes too when it's more flexible and joyful and fun and doesn't have to be perfect or clean in everything we eat. Totally. Yeah. It's just like, it's funny thinking about how so much of this is like individual experience, right? Like it's nobody can really know except for you. Like, are you going out there for the photo? Are you going out there because you just want to say that you did, or are you going out there because of, because it feels good for you, you know, and it is hard thinking about Instagram as a whole, or like the outdoor industry as a whole, or even the mental health space as a whole, like it's hard to say, you know, where people are at, but I think it really comes down to like really checking in with yourself as a, you know, individually. I mean, like, great. Like what is the, what's fueling this right now? You know, because Mm -hmm. anything, whether it be food or exercise or how you show up online or getting outside can can easily become this thing that you control and perfect. And I think it is important for us to sort of expand the conversation to like, actually, yeah, like a lot of, a lot of these things can become these things that we feel like we need to have a grasp on or try and make, make it be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm even noticing a shift in the outdoor film and documentary scene where I'm seeing more films whether it's about rock climbing and disordered eating or skiing and backcountry pursuits and really talking about, yeah, the need to like push it. And sometimes that's dangerous, right? Not, da- not just dangerous because we can put ourselves in riskier situations when we're just wanting to accomplish this thing or be able to tell the story. But yeah, we're also not helping our nervous system and we're not helping our mental health when we're not being true to ourselves or knowing what our body is trying to communicate to us and if something like feels good and intentional and um, joyful or it's coming from yeah maybe a darker place totally so how do you work with perfectionism with your clients yeah so a lot of the questions that we've hinted at today are questions that I would bring into working with anyone on this topic. And maybe that look means asking yourself, what are the beliefs and thoughts that you have around perfection or being seen in a certain way and really exploring that piece? It can look like understanding what are the deeper underlying feelings or fears that you might be having. It can look like asking yourself, what it would look like to let go of that a little bit and working through that gradually, right? Being able to accept that there's gonna be discomfort in challenging perfection, because if it's something that you've felt so tethered to, it's gonna feel really raw and vulnerable to feel like exposed, right? As a human that is, has different parts of you and maybe, yeah, is not always presenting as perfect or there's messiness or, whatever it is. And so being able to work gradually on feeling more comfortable with showing up in different ways. Hmm. And ultimately, I think bringing a lot of compassion into that work, compassion for yourself, compassion for mistakes, 
and compassion for yeah living imperfectly but authentically and beautifully so I would yeah come back to beliefs and thoughts and working on our emotions but also bringing in a lot of kindness and gentleness with ourselves yeah you know one of the ways that I like to sort of work with this in my practice and I imagine that like you do it too is like finding what's an area in your life that like it feels safe to be imperfect mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and like maybe that is outdoors or maybe it's in the kitchen um but thinking about like yeah like maybe you don't feel ready to sort of strip your perfectionism from everything you do like where can you show up and be like I'm a beginner you know maybe it's in ice climbing <laughs> or backpacking or even like pushing yourself to show up for like an improv class you know like where does it feel safe to not to like let yourself be a little bit messy or ask for help or be a beginner I love that yeah and that can be one of those yeah gradual ways like how does that feel and often that will feel really good sometimes or really scary other times but it's probably a lot more of a curious feeling and one that we want to explore more when we identify that little place we feel safe so I think that's yeah that's another great way to look at it totally how do you think that like this work has changed your life how has it not (laughs) (laughs) I mean I I go back to my past self a lot and I just want to like tell myself that it's okay and that there's still belonging and enoughness available to me and even though I don't you know regret the things that I've gone through because they've obviously helped me get to where I am but that's helped me so much just humanize this work normalize all of it know that our brains are wise and smart and they're going to find ways to keep us safe even if those aren't the healthiest things but that it's also possible to work out of any behavior that's learned and perfectionism is learned. So if we can learn it, we can also unlearn it. And that can be really inspiring and can be a nice landing spot because it's, there's doesn't mean there's no fears in a place where there's not as much perfectionism, but the fears feel more approachable, I'd say. 100%. Like, yeah, just because you're not a perfectionist or you don't like notice that you're using perfection to, to mask your fears, like things are still scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> things are definitely still really frightening. It's just like how they, it feels less intense. You're like, okay, like, yeah, it's scary, but I can still do it even though it's scary. And like, I can do it and it doesn't need to look perfect or I can mess up and like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's a practice, yeah. <laughs> kind of a constant process. And I think some folks get um, caught up in, but if I'm not per- perfect or if I'm not pursuing perfection, then I'm never going to have goals or do anything. And I'm just going to sit around and be mediocre. And we know that that's a thought that we can reframe, but we also know that that's yeah, simply not true. We can actually work more towards the things we care about when we're a little more authentic about it and they're kind of showing up holding hands with fear as opposed to trying to push fear away totally and i'm sure you get that as you know a therapist with you know who exists online um and that happens for me i get a lot of people saying like isn't it really scary to like 
post things on Instagram or isn't it really scary to show up or own your, like run your own business? And I'm like, yeah, it is scary. <laughs> and, you know, like, I think like I've, um, at least for me, I've like really embraced messiness and imperfection and, you know, like I definitely like, like things to look nice when I can and realize that like, I am going to make mistakes and like, that has to be okay. It's like the only way that this is going to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. You can stay true to the things you care about, but again, we know where it's coming from. When we ask ourselves more questions, is this coming from, because I'm worried about being judged or is this coming from, this is just what I want to share. And I may not be at a hundred percent with it, but I'm going to press send or post and it'll be there. <laughs> totally. And sometimes like the things that I come up with at like five in the morning or like, while I'm like hiking and I'm like writing in my notes are the ones that like land with people the most, you know, it's like when I'm coming from a place of, yeah, just like letting things really flow out of me or when things are actually do really well online or like resonate the most with like the people I'm talking to, which is also a good reflection and reminder for me too, is to like, loosen my grasp just a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's also some neurobiology to that, right? If we think about where our nervous system is, if we're always in this anxious perfectionism place, we're pretty high on um, energy or arousal, right? In a very nerdy neuroscience way. But when we're slowing down a little bit more, we actually can connect with ourselves and others because mm. we're in that parasympathetic dominance place. So even kind of neuroscience can explain like why it just feels better to know that there's still fears and stuff, but it's, um, yeah, maybe a little more flow, a little more ease, a little more compassion. So that's a cool little way to explain that with science. <laughs> oh my God. You're the only person I ever want to explain science <laughs> to me. I'm like, <laughs> the way that you do it is just like, so I'm like, yeah, tell me more. That makes so much <laughs> sense. Um, I love that. Tell me how you're embracing imperfection. Yeah, I think every day with my business and practice and working on offerings and knowing that, yeah, I could work on for years on things, but why not just have it be out there even when it's not maybe where my perfectionism part or past self would want it to be, but also, yeah, outdoors and I'm still learning how to ski out here and I'm still learning how to rock climb and ice climb. And so just knowing that it's okay to be where I'm at. And I'd also like don't have interests in doing a lot of these things in an extreme way. And so just letting myself find joy in what I want to, even though it doesn't look like some cool documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I also want to say like to, to piggyback off of that, I have been seeing you show up so much more and offering so many amazing workshops and opportunities of like ways that people can engage with you and work with you. And it seems, um, yeah, like you were just like, I don't know if there's like a creativity, like it's just like flowing out of you, but you definitely seem to be, yeah, I don't know, bringing a lot to the table right now. Will you tell us a little bit more about like what you offer and how people can work with you? Thanks for saying that. I do feel that there's some little creativity that I'm having right now. And, you know, creatives, we tend to have blocks a lot. And so there, there was definitely a few years of blocks with (laughs) just doing my one-on-one work and absolutely loving it, but just not knowing what else to do or how else I wanted to bring what I wanted out there. 
so outside of the therapy room, yeah, I'm having a lot of workshops coming up. I just did one on healing feelings. I have an intuitive eating workshop coming up and more topics, TBD. And I'm also creating a course for feeling feelings. And so um, there's a lot, a lot of goodness in some of those offerings. And I think it's partly also wanting to make mental wellness and working on a lot of these self-care aspects more accessible. And we don't always, not everyone needs one-on-one -on -one therapy or has already done a lot of work and just wants a little more. So it's a different way to get support or learn or have insights without having that one-on-one -on -one therapeutic relationship. Yeah. And, you know, I know that there are a lot of people that either go to therapy that listen to this podcast or actually even like therapists themselves that listen to this podcast and, you know, that a lot of people are interested in learning about how can they take therapy outside of like the room with just one-on-one -on -one work. And so I know that one of the reasons why I'm so inspired by you and like look towards you all the time is that like you are really creative and thoughtful about what are other ways that we can provide for our clients that are like just outside of like sitting, sitting in the room or on the Zoom room or however you work. <laughs> and I just think it's so cool. So if you're a therapist and you're like interested in learning more about how to like get creative with therapy, Joanna is like a really great person to check out. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, there's just, we all learn differently and can work on, you know, our own stuff in different ways. So yeah, even if it's not one-on-one, -on -one, um, I hope that you find something either with me or any other amazing professionals that they're offering some self-care, mental wellness or psychoeducation on various topics. Totally. So where can people find you? Yep. So you can find me on my website, which is www.joannatownsend.com or on Instagram at Joanna Talks Feelings. Awesome. Joanna, this was so wonderful. We talked about so many things I didn't think we were going to talk about today, <laughs> but I loved it. And it to me, like really brought in like all of our work and where we live. And so thank you so much for showing up today and um, we will be in touch. Yeah, it was such an honor. Thanks for having me and hopefully we can meet IRL sometime soon. <laughs> I hope so too. All right, thanks Joanna. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wilder Wellness Podcast. If you loved this episode, head on over to rate and subscribe. New episodes drop each week. I can't wait to catch up with you on and off of the trail. See you then.